This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode of the Arsenal Transfer Show. Joining you live from the TGT Stadium on the day before deadline day. And uh, it is starting to heat up in the world of Arsenal transfers. Yesterday was quite a mad day for links, for news, for transfer stories and rumours and whispers about who Arsenal might potentially be signing in combination with some pretty damning injury news, which will, of course, be discussing a little bit later on today. Uh, without further ado, though, good morning to people joining us in the chat box. We've got PJ and Gunerate David, and uh, we've got GKR Rinkle uh, or Rinky, uh, G Crinky. I don't know how to pronounce that. PJ, good morning to you, to Stevie, to Ratha Varys, to Anthony, Stephen and Peter, and Kevin and Rich. I'm pretty sure, though, I did see some other names before in the start of the chat, but for some reason, StreamYards decided not to give them the credit. I can give you credit, though. It's Matt G, Blackshine, Ahmed Ali. Uh, Kaiser and Carl and Paul and Olu and Vuk and Harvey and Bruce and Goku, uh, Jose and Anz and Akshat. So many of you, for some reason, Anthony's decided, uh, sorry, for some reason, StreamYards decided not to show me who was actually first. Interesting. Very interesting. They're trying, they're basically trying to undermine you guys now, StreamYard. is trying to say that you weren't first when in fact you were, but we've done you justice. Make sure you check out the latest prizes over at Football Prizes. This week's competition is a ticket or two tickets to go and see Arsenal against PSV Eindhoven in the Europa League. Uh, And you can also, a 24-hour competition uh, that's available right now, is a ticket to the weekend's game at Old Trafford. Hospitality tickets, you can go and check that out. There's a 12-hour early bird price, but that will fall away very soon. Link in the description to the Football Prizes website. That PSV prize also contains as many as looking at 10 instant win prizes. Tony Adams signed and custom framed shirt. Alexander Zinchenko signed Arsenal shirt. Ben White uh, signed and framed Arsenal Stadium street sign. A back four of Tony Adams, Lee Dixon, Steve Bold and Nigel Winterburn all signed and framed. The 2022-23 Arsenal home away or third shirt of your choice. 
and then some prizes regarding credits to the FP website. Make sure you go and check them out. We'll be doing our live show on Friday. Uh, there are tickets still available. Uh, you can make sure and you go over to the link in the description. It will take you to the website to buy it. It's only a fiver if you're available on Friday evening at the Ridley Road Social Club. Myself, James Benj, FK from Latte Firm, Harry Simeon from the Chronicles of Aguna, and Sophie Nicolau from the Hybrid School will be joining Mike to help support Gunas v Cancer. Have a great time and talk some Arsenal. And lastly, please do vote for us in the Football Content Awards. Vote for TGT.com. Tag us on Instagram on Football Content Awards is relevant page. You can see the picture on your screen. That's the one you need to find. And you can vote on their website. Drop a like on the video and subscribe if you're new. I will be live not after 10 o'clock, but I will be live on uh, the whistle over on the Arsenal way. So make sure you're subscribed over there as well. Ha <laughs> What a way to start our news uh, stories of the day. Chelsea lose away at Southampton. Despite spending ridiculous amounts of money and despite potentially signing even more defenders, Chelsea lost another game this season, meaning Arsenal have the opportunity to open up quite a sizable gap to their West London rivals should they win tonight against Aston Villa. And it's not as if, you know, what's what I find funny about this is that, you know, Arsenal have been criticised for getting overexcited and overhyped because they've not done anything yet. They've not beaten teams that they should be beating or whatever. I'm sorry, the teams that we've beaten, there are challenges within them. Fulham are a very decent side. You know, look at what they've done this season. Another win for them yesterday. You look at Crystal Palace and points they've taken off other big teams and nearly gave Manchester City a fright. Chelsea have lost to Leeds and Southampton so far. You know, Southampton and Leeds, I think, were in a lot of people's tips for relegation this season. And yet, somehow, Chelsea aren't still facing the same amount of wrath as what Arsenal have faced, despite Arsenal winning all of their games. Little bit strange, but completely unsurprising. Now, the big news of yesterday was, of course, Mohamed Elneny's injury. Uh, despite finishing the game against Fulham, he suffered a hamstring problem that is expected to keep him out for a lengthy period of time. David Ornstein at The Athletic described it as significant. We're still waiting for information on the exact period of time he'll be out, that he has undergone, uh, undergone scans now. Uh, but Arteta will, of course, be asked about this after the game against Aston Villa, potentially before the game against Aston Villa this evening. Uh, so we should get more information. But that has, of course, sparked the potential to move for a central midfielder in the window before it closes. But we only have a little amount of time to do that. And Arsenal weren't rushing to try and change anything. They are waiting to see kind of the extent of this problem before they do jump upon any kind of midfielder. Despite that, links have, of course, then spread about potential midfielders that we'll talk about in a second. Uh, Miguel Aziz, however, could be included in tonight's squad and left a small hint on his Twitter page that he has the opportunity to be included. He was not in the squads that played against Cambridge in the under-21s uh, EFL trophy game last night. Neither was Marquinhos. Both of them could potentially be on the bench tonight against Aston Villa. Zinchenko did train. Uh, and interestingly, despite the interview that you probably saw on your social feeds come out with Arteta, in which he said it was unlikely that Zinchenko would be involved along with Partey, I can tell you that that interview did take place after the Fulham game and that it is quite out of date, quite a few fair, a fair few days out of date. It was embargoed until yesterday, meaning that the quotes couldn't be published until yesterday. Um, so any information upon Partey and Zinchenko is a bit out of date, hence why no mention of Elneny was in that interview either. Zinchenko has trained. There is potential for him to be involved. We don't know how available he will be, if at all, though. 
but I'm sure that we'll be keeping you up to date with everything going on in the world of Twitter. Uh, and I'll certainly be tweeting out anything that comes forward about Zinchenko's fitness as of when we receive any information on it. But he did train yesterday, so there is a chance he could be available. Um, Bellerin to Barcelona is a potential move that could be happening. Uh, supposedly, according to Gerard Moreno, this is a deal that will happen, in fact. Um, however, there are a number of Italian sides also interesting, including Sassuolo. Bellerin's future is expected to be resolved between now and the end of the transfer window. He and Ainsley Maitland-Niles are the expected two departures between now and tomorrow evening. Where they will both go, however, the final destination seems still to be up in the air. But there is a confidence that Bellerin could be a Barca player by the end of play tomorrow. Bakayo Saka is said to be optimistic over a brand new contract. He spoke after the Fulham game with quotes coming out yesterday about his kind of confidence about potentially signing a new deal with the club. He says, I share his confidence when he was asked about Arteta speaking confidently about his contract. I share his confidence, he says. I, I really feel at home at Arsenal. I feel love from my teammates, coaches and fans. Discussions over a new deal are continuing and there is an expectation that an agreement will eventually be reached. So fingers crossed we'll see an announcement on that in the coming weeks and months. Marco Asensio, despite links to Arsenal, is not expected now to leave Real Madrid. Reports from Spain claim that Real Madrid will keep the player. So no movement on him to either Arsenal or Manchester United is expected between now and tomorrow. Arsenal apparently also tried to hijack a deal for Paredes before he made his move to Juventus, which is now expected to go through. Arsenal uh, were interested in the player after the injury to Elneny, supposedly, according to Demazio, I believe it was. Um, however, he wanted a respected agreement with the old lady and therefore he will move to Turin and that is expected to be completed and announced very soon indeed. However, according to Goal Brazil, Danilo is still the subject of interest, a Palmeiras midfielder and even going as far to say that Arsenal have made a £20 million bid for the midfielder. However, this will be rejected and Palmeiras, due to the amount of time left in the window, will demand that any club that wants him to pay his 100 million release clause. I don't see that happening. I don't see Danilo uh, moving to Arsenal between now and the end of the window. I just think it's one of those deals that is too difficult to do with the time that is remaining between um, with the time that is left. So I'd, I'd be very, very shocked if Danilo was the player that Arsenal ended up getting. I won't be doing a tactical breakdown unless there is a major change in this profile. I'd be very surprised. But according to Gold Brazil, Arsenal made that £20 million bid, which does show a bit of indication that potentially we are indeed looking to try and sign a midfielder before the window closes. Uh, Melissa Reddy on Sky Sports spoke about the interest in Cody Gakpo. Um, I am told under pretty good authority that you do actually pronounce the G uh, and it is Gakpo. Uh, I see a lot of people pronouncing it just Hakpo, but I'm told that it is genuinely you pronounce it with a G. I might be wrong, but I, I see so many variations in the pronunciation of, of Gakpo. Um, I'm going to stick with, with the Gakpo. Um, but it, yeah, I don't know whether or not he will be the player that Arsenal go for. It does seem to be that the mid, uh, the wide player that Arsenal will be going for is indeed Mikhailo Mudrik. You can go and watch our uh, tactical breakdown of Mudrik 
yesterday. We uploaded that breakdown with help from Andrew Todos of Zulia London. Gave us lots of information and thoughts around the player. So certainly worth giving yourselves a bit of an education about who exactly Mudrik is. Um, but supposedly Arsenal are very close to an agreement. They've already agreed personal terms in a 30 million euro agreement could be made with Shakhtar Donetsk. This will be the one, I think, to watch between now and the end of the window. So let's see what happens. Um, he could be a very, very interesting profile of player that Arsenal end up getting. We know that they want a wide player. I think the biggest thing to consider between now and the window's close is will Arsenal move for a central midfielder? That's is the very key one indeed. Let's uh, round things off in terms of part one. We'll carry on the show with part two and your questions after this quick break. So uh, let's quickly just show you the, the prizes available this week on Football Prizes. Link in the description. You can win tickets to the Manchester United Arsenal game this Sunday and potentially tickets to the Arsenal PSV game in the Europa League. Make sure you go and check the link in the description for information. Live show on Friday in the Ridley Road Social Club in North London. If you're available Friday evening and you'd like to come along to see some fantastic guests such as James Benj, FK, Harry Simu and uh, Sophie Nicolau along with Mike from the Gooners pod. Uh, then come along and help support the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society for Gunas versus Cancer. It's going to be a really great evening talking football, having chats, drinking and all of that goodness. And lastly, do vote for us, of course, in the Football Content Awards. All the information on the screen or just go to www.votefortgt.com. Let's jump now into the chat box and tackle some of your questions. Freddie says, Tom, in your humble opinion, do you think we will sign anybody in the next 24 hours? In my humble opinion, yes. I think we will. I am optimistic. I am hopeful. I am crossing every limb. Sounds weird. I'm crossing every possible limb in my body that we will sign somebody between now and tomorrow. Who that will be, I don't want to jump, you know, to say it's going to be this guy. It's going to be this guy. I I feel as though Mudrick is the most likely profile that we would sign between now and close of play tomorrow. But that means nothing, you know. Will Tillemans arrive? I doubt it. Will Gakpo come? I doubt it. Will Danilo arrive? I doubt it. But Mudrik, to me, there's enough kind of out there. There's enough suggestions that he is potentially someone that Arsenal could go for and get before the window closes. Uh, Lucas says, do you start and catch you over Jesus tonight ahead of the United game this weekend? No, I don't think Jesus needs a rest. I don't think he looks tired. I don't think there's been any issue with him. If we get into the Champions League, this is something that I think people forget quite often because we've not been in the Champions League for a long time. When you get into the Champions League, you will be up against some very, very, very good teams and you will need to play your best players more than twice a week. Potentially, yeah, as I say, tw at least twice a week, potentially more than twice a week. You will have to do that. And so we are going to have to get into the swing of playing Jesus twice a week. So if we have got a game on Saturday and then Wednesday and then Sunday, Jesus should play in those games. It might be that you sub him off earlier in the game to conserve fitness, but absolutely he starts. And Ketia does not start this game. Uh, Mo says, morning, Tom. With injuries we have in midfield, do you feel we can manage with what we have available as replacements or need to buy at least one midfielder? I think. Um, that we absolutely, absolutely need to make sure that we sign a midfielder. Will we? I don't know. 
but I think that we we absolutely have to add a midfielder to the team this summer, uh, or at least in January. You know, I, I think January is an opportunity for Arsenal. I think we could potentially get by between now until January with the midfield options that we have. But I would prefer, obviously, us to go out and sign a midfielder. So, yeah, I do feel as though we need to sign two rather than just the one between now and tomorrow evening. Uh, Christopher says, Tom, heard anything on our under-21 squad with regards to potential outgoings? Not really. Um, I mean, the latest that I am kind of aware of is that there are still there is still potential for those players that are playing. You know, Kido Taylor Hart is one of those that could potentially leave on loan. The club are open to seeing him leave on loan. Uh, other potential players in the squad, um, Miguel Aziz. You know, he's certainly available and open to a loan deal. He could move on. So. Yeah, Aziz, Taylor Hart, uh, I think that there is potential for both of those players to go alone. Taylor Hart did play in the under-21s game uh, yesterday. You know, 2-0 win over Cambridge, very impressive, by the way, pushing forward until the next round. So, yeah, Taylor Hart, uh, Miguel Aziz. I'd be surprised if Matt Smith wasn't on the radar of a couple of clubs as well. He's gone on plenty of loans already. So, yeah, uh, there is potential for some players to leave. Uh, as I said before at the start of the summer, I expected Ryan Alibiosu to leave on loan. He has now gone to Kilmarnock. So I think there is scope that more youngsters could go between now and the end of the window. Um, Lynn says, Tom, I thought that Mudrik can also play midfield as that is where he plays with Zinchenko for Ukraine. Yes, but more of an attacking kind of midfield role. You're not going to see him play box to box, Lynn. And that's kind of the midfielder that we still need in the squad. Uh, Dave says, Tom, did you see Clive's comments on Xhaka being able to cover at six? No one in the Discord agreed with this. What's your take? Uh, I do reluctantly disagree with Clive. Um, I love you, mate, but I, I just feel as though Jacker at the sixth position, it's too, it's too immobile. It, it's too easily turned. It's, and I like seeing what Jacker's bringing to the left-sided midfield, central midfield role. Can he play DM? I mean, more capably than you know others, I suppose, in the squad. I'd rather we went out and signed someone. Uh, but no, I didn't see the, the actual comment from Clive at all. Um, I I personally wouldn't want to see Xhaka there. Uh, I think that we have kind of moved on from that and we've moved forwards with the number six role. El Nenny, I'd prefer El Nenny at six than Xhaka. You know, I prefer him playing there. But if he's not available, Lakonga is the next in line. I expect Lakonga to play tonight. I actually have got a piece that's out right now talking about Ben White potentially at right back. Now, if you've been a long-term listener of the channel, you will absolutely know my reluctance to talk and even speak about the potential of seeing Ben White play um, in a number six position. I've wanted defenders to be defenders. I've wanted them to play in their specific roles. But actually, um, I spoke to Richie Mills, who is the Sussex Live reporter for Brighton and Hove Albion, to talk to him about kind of how White did playing in that number six role. And he did very well. And actually, he's played a lot more there. I think I gave him credit for at the beginning. I know that Dan Robert is laughing his head off at the fact I've kind of U-turned on this idea. But actually doing a little bit more research and digging into seeing Ben White play at the number six position, it is an option for Arsenal, should they not sign anyone. Tommy Asu goes back into the right-back position and Ben White moves into the number six role. 
it is something that Arsenal could consider. And I've left a link to that piece in today's video chat box, but you can find it on my page over at football.london. So go and check it out because it is an interesting um, kind of look and deep dive into how much he's played in that role and the confidence that Richie has, who's a reporter for Brighton and is going to sit in play, you know, in midfield for a Premier League side. So it's worth giving it a read. Um, Robots Will Eat You says, Tom, be honest. Overall, Partey's transfer is a disappointing one, though. Frequently injured and injured for long. Highest paid player. What's the point? Is it disappointing? It's disappointing, yeah. Look, it's it's disappointing that he's been out for as long as he has been out. And that I think he started somewhat of 58% of the games that he's been at Arsenal, which is deplorably poor. It's not his fault. You know, he got a bad injury and he never was injured prior to coming to Arsenal. And I'd love to see some kind of inquiry into what on earth happened. But it's not his fault. You know, I don't look at Partey and go, you've been dreadful. Because when he's been available, you know, he's still, for me on paper, our best, you know, our best midfielder by a long distance. Prior to Jesus' arrival, I would have said he's our best player. Um and when he's played, he's been absolutely integral to our success. And without him, I don't think that we would have been challenging for the top four last season. So it's a real difficult one. But it's hard to not call it a disappointment when he's not been available for 42% of the games. It's very hard to, to argue that it's not been disappointing. Very hard indeed. Uh, Ransom said, Sambi's time to shine. He never had a proper chance as a six. Maybe now is that time. I think he never had a real chance to play at six alongside Xhaka, um, in the midfield. He was kind of thrown into the number six role when we played against Brighton at home. If you remember, uh, Xhaka was at left back and he was exposed because he was kind of the only one there. And then we had two attack-minded number eights in front of him. It didn't work. I, I hope that we see Lukonga thrive and flourish, but he has been doing well in a more advanced number eight kind of role in preseason. I just hope that we get tonight's selection right. If Zinchenko is back, that will definitely, definitely help us out. But let's be real. Aston Villa are a side that I think we've got enough, more than enough in the squad available to us that we st should still be winning. I did a preview show uh, with Max Stokes from the Villa on tour. Uh, go and watch that show in our preview if you like. And they're not confident at all. Really not confident with what's going on. Uh, Abdul says, hello, Tom. Uh, oh, we've done that one. Uh, oh, no, we haven't. Another humble. I saw the words humble opinion <laughs> and I thought we'd done it. But hello, Tom, in your humble opinion, which midfielder from the ones mentioned is most likely to join us this summer as Mudrik looks like our main wide target? I agree that he looks like the most likely wide player. Who is the most likely midfielder? I'd still honestly say um, Yuri Tillemans uh, would be the most likely because he's just the one that clearly we have an interest in signing. Danilo, I just don't see happening. I can't see that deal being sorted from the perspective of trying to agree something with Palmeiras. Um, other central midfielders that we've been linked to just don't seem to be any kind of any, any sort of advanced. And I know things can change quickly, especially in the last couple of days. But nothing seems advanced of anyone else. So I would still say Yuri Tillemans is the most likely. However, I'd, if you were to ask me whether I'd put money on it happening, the answer would be no. I, I, I'm not confident of Tillemans happening at this moment in time. Um, let's go to uh, Daniel. says, as there is a game tonight, will it make it more difficult to sign players? Not particularly. Uh, the only way in which it makes it more difficult to sign players is that Mikel Arteta will, of course, be preoccupied with that. Edu is very much in charge of transfers. Uh, it's different for when like, it was Arsene Wenger that was in charge. Arsene Wenger was in charge of everything. 
You know, he was the one doing the calls. He was the one meeting with players all the time, speaking with players, speaking with agents, all of that stuff. He was doing so much of it. Whereas now Arteta's got kind of Richard Garlic and Edu that are all behind him. You've got um, the scouting network, the analysis guys. You've got um, intermediaries. Arsenal are a lot more in tune with, with player agents than we ever were before. So just because there's a game, it won't slow down Arsenal's potential. The only reason that it would slow it slightly is because Arteta can't necessarily jump on a phone call during the game. That's the only challenge that there is. But that should not put in place too much of an obstacle or a barrier in terms of Arsenal's late business. I don't think it will play too much of a part in this at all. Uh, Alistair says, can Mudrick play as a false nine? I've never seen him play there, but he does play so far advanced that potentially there's scope for it. But I've, I wouldn't jump on that. I'd say, you know, wait and, and see if he could potentially do that. But I wouldn't sit there and say, yeah, he can do that role because I've never seen it happen. Um, let's go to Dan, who says, Tom, is there a chance Zinni and Xhaka will jump into midfield? Not ideal, but I'd like to see what Zinni can offer in the midfield. Yeah, there's an option that that could happen. We're still not 100% sure if he'll be available tonight. He has trained. There's potential for him to be available. We'll wait and see. I kind of hope he does because my defence in my fantasy team is looking light with Reese James not being available, with Trippier's fitness not being 100% and Zinchenko now as well. Um, it's looking very light indeed. So I'm kind of hoping, fingers crossed, that Zinchenko comes back for multiple reasons, um, but most of all, of course, for Arsenal. But could he play in midfield? I'd like to see that as a potential possibility, but you would think that that means that if he plays with Xhaka, Xhaka moves to that number six position, which I'm not necessarily keen on so it's a catch-22 at this stage uh we're going to keep answering your questions i'm not working until a little bit later of course i'll be covering covering the game for football london so do uh keep throwing in your questions if you haven't dropped a like on the video please do that as well there's over 1400 of you watching which is our most viewed i think morning show so far as we get closer to deadline day i also want to tell you of course that the show will be continuing on after deadline day there'll be more 8am shows it doesn't stop when the transfer window closes so if you've got this used to being part of your morning routines and you're worried that it was going to end when the transfer window closes don't be the 8am show will continue forwards after we have finished the window and we'll be talking about all the latest Arsenal news, catching you up on all the latest information in regards to injuries, still transfer links, of course, to players, uh, updates on the youth team as well and games going on. There's lots of midweek stuff to discuss. Uh, and I can't always do match reactions after the games because I'm usually working the game anyway. So a lot of match reactions, of course, will, of course, take place at 8 a.m. So do not go anywhere. Uh, let's go to uh, the Harry Thomas, who says, question, Tom, can I ask you, uh, do you know where Tottenham pumped in 150 million into their accounts with Arsenal? Can't we do that due to FFP? Um, it's a good question. And to be honest, my understanding of the finances behind it are not, enough that I would be able to confidently tell you. Uh, I know that there was the story that came out about them injecting £150 million into the club to what they would basically be able to spend. Arsenal are owned through a, through a now but a, a complete ownership by KSE. So any of the Arsenal's money is KSE's money, which is something that I think a lot of people kind of misinterpret. The club, if it spends money, is KSE spending money. It's like if you buy a business, say you buy, I don't know, um, a restaurant, right? You've bought the restaurant outright. You own 100% of that restaurant. That means that the cutlery is yours. The, the, you, know, you have to pay the wages of the staff. So the wage bill is on you. The equipment's on you. All of that stuff is on you. If you upgrade your restaurant, you know, if you, you know, upgrade the seats, upgrade the infrastructure, all of that, you are investing in that. It's the same situation with the football club. If Arsenal spend money on a player, they 
KSE are therefore investing. So Arsenal have spent close to 100 million this summer. It's the same as saying KSE have invested around 100 million in the club this summer because they own it. It's not like them when they were majority shareholders in the club. It was the club's money. They were a majority shareholder and owned part of it. But since 2018, when they fully took over, any money that's spent by the club is invested by KSE. So if we spend more money this summer, which there is an expectation that we still could, it will be the ownership spending the money that they own, that the club has because they've bought it. I hope that makes sense. <laughs> it's it's a little complicated. Um, I understand that, Tom, but can't we somehow inject money to stay away from FFP? I mean, more so. It's not... FFP is very complicated. It's about kind of the losses that you have over the course of so many years. The It doesn't work that way. So Spurs aren't avoiding FFP by injecting money into it. They would avoid FFP by, you know, revenue, by sales, by making money, by, yeah, you know, organically making money rather than injecting money into the club. That's that's not how you avoid FFP. Arsenal need to get better with player sales. They need to be smarter with their spending. They need to make more revenue and they need to stop losing money. You know, that's that's the ultimate kind of measure is that we need to make sure that over the course of a three-year period, we aren't continually making losses. So that that's the difference. I hope that makes sense. It sounds like it has. I'm not saying that that's gospel, so don't take it as gospel, but that's my personal understanding of of kind of how it works. Um, let's go scroll up a little bit more. Ben says, what about Artemelo on loan? I will be shocked if you don't see a link to Artemelo pop up in the next two days. I will be shocked. Surely a link to Artemelo is going to creep through the grapevine and down to Arsenal. I would be surprised if we did that. Let's see if that happens. Francois, there's about 1,500 of you watching. We've only got 230 likes. Come on, Gunners. Is that true? Do we actually only have 130-odd likes on the video? Wow, we only do. It's, come on. Don't freeload, people. We do this show every morning. We get up early. We put it all together. Show your appreciation and drop a like on the video. It really does help us out. Um, Sadiq says, Tom, why don't we get players on the cheap from the championship? Yeah, the cheap from the championship doesn't necessarily exist anymore, especially for a player that's going to be good enough. You know, that your bargains, if you're Andrew Robertson's as well, people are a lot more aware of the quality in the championship. Look at the money that championship teams spend these days. You just go through and see how much has been spent by championship clubs. They are spending a lot of money on players and spending big on them. It's not cheap, guaranteed quality. If you want to get quality players from the league below, you're still going to have to buy them. You have stuff going to spend. I mean, Ismail Assar was going between 25 and 30 million quid from Watford. And there was nearly an agreement with, I want to say, Aston Villa, I think it was. That fell through eventually. But 25 million pounds is hardly cheap, you know, especially for a player that has got injury problems like Ismail Assar that's been um, relegated. You know, it's it, there's no, there's not necessarily that same kind of pro, guarantee of getting quality on the cheap from the championship. It's it's not guaranteed anymore. It's just not happening. You look at Buendia going to Aston Villa for thirty plus million. It's you know, it's really not. It's not going to happen. Peter says, I've seen a report linking us with a thirty million pound move for Julian Weigel. Would he be a good option for us? Maybe three or four, five even years ago. He's an exciting talent. Not for me now. He's a reason I think he moved to Benfica. 
from Dortmund. It's just not a profile that I'm that big of a fan of right now. Um, let's go to Wilson who says, which winger, and good to see you back in the chat, by the way, Wilson, long-time listener of the channel. Which winger do you prefer, Neto or Gakpo? Neto, personally. I know Gakpo scored a ton of goals. Um, but there's always that question mark about transition, about the fact he's more of a left winger than a right winger, and Neto can play on both sides very comfortably and in the middle. He's more versatile than Gakpo. Um, he's left-footed playing on the right-hand side as well, the same as Saka, so you've got that inversion. I would lean towards Neto. Um, and I think that Gakpo is still going to cost you upwards of 35, 40 million quid. So I would personally go for that kind of figure uh, for Neto. Um, but I think it won't be either of them that ends up at the club. Um, Rail says, by the way, TC, saw a pic of you and the wife uh, on Insta and got to congratulate you for the fine transfer business. You've definitely upgraded your squad. I mean, we say that we've been together for 10 years. So <laughs> it's uh, upgrade the infrastructure uh, in terms of the metal involved. But other than that, yeah, thank you so much. It was uh, it was a great day on Friday. And thank you so much, everybody that sent your kind messages. It means a lot. Um, and yeah, really shows kind of the community feel that we've got at the channel. Speaking of a community feel uh, that we've got at the channel, I look forward to meeting as many of you as possible on Friday at the Ridley Road Social Club. Do come and join us. I'm going to keep answering your questions. We're not ending the show here. Um, just a quick update for those that missed it. We're live on Friday in North London. Do come and join us. Link in the description for tickets. Make sure you get hold of them. Half of them have already sold. Do make sure you grab them. Um, let's go to um, Snaggies, who says, uh, could we try and white in Partey's position? Yes, we could. Uh, and go and read my article <laughs> that I've written this morning that's out now on football.london. I'll leave another link to it in the chat box where I talk a lot at length about the potential of playing Ben White in Thomas Partey's role. So go and have a look at that one. Uh, Stephen says, Tom, injuries are inevitable. Are we overplaying the meltdown? Um, it's a good question. Uh, for those that don't, they may not kind of get their head around it. Well, the idea of this is that we overplay injuries all the time. We worry about injuries all the time. They are always going to happen. You know, Partey has got a long history of injuries. Players like Tierney have got a long history of injuries. Um, even Ben White is gradually seeing injuries creeping to his game. Tommy Asu, of course, has got a lot of injuries to his name. Smith Rowe has got a lot of injuries to his name. Odegaard has got injuries to his name. They're always going to happen. It's about making sure that you've got that depth, that strength in depth to deal with the problems. Arsenal have, you know, worked really hard at adding lots of quality throughout the squad. They've brought in, um, they brought back Saliba, of course. They'd already signed White for 50-odd million. They've brought in versatility. White can play centre-back, right-back, maybe midfield. Tommy Asu can play centre-back, right-back, left-back. Um, Saliba can play right-back if you want him to, and he did that for Marseille. Uh, Zinchenko can play left-back, centre-mid, defensive-mid, attacking-mid, um, left-midfield if you wanted him to. Um, Erdegaard can play at Cam, at eight, at right wing, Fabio Vieira, right wing, left wing, false nine, centre mid, attacking mid, Smith Rowe, left wing, centre mid, Cam, Martinelli, left wing, right wing, striker, Jesus, left wing, right wing, striker, and Ketia, striker, left wing. You know, we've got so much, we've got so much versatility in this team that it means that depth is important and you need numbers for depth, but also you need players that can cover in multiple positions so that we can deal with those things. There's always kind of the obsession with making sure you bring in more players. But that obsession sometimes bleeds into naivety, in my opinion, because you often find yourselves going, sign that player, sign that player, get them in, we're sure. And the reality is that actually 
being more sensible and reining yourself in and not jumping on a transfer for the sake of it can be more beneficial for you in the future of the both financially and competitively and for the development of existing players in the squad. We all want a new toy. We all want to sign new players. We love it. It's a great moment. Trust me, as a guy who does a transfer show once, even twice a day at times, I love it when Arsenal sign new players. I love researching players. I love seeing them join the club. But you have to be sensible. You've got to be measured about how you look at it. I think Arsenal need to sign two players for me still between now and the end of the window. That's not a contradiction. I just think we need to replace what we've lost in Pepe. Um, and of course, Reese Nelson, I just don't think he's up to it right now. And I think we need to sign a wide player that can also cover potentially Jesus's injury in the middle. And I think that a midfield signing now that Partey and El Nenny are both injured and are going to have more injuries, you can imagine, throughout the course of the season. It was needed before, I even think that. You know, we were campaigning for a central midfielder. It's become even more prioritised. I don't think we need a right-back. Some people do. I don't. There was always an argument that potentially a left-footed centre-back was needed. I've leaned away from that having seen now. Gabriel's injury record is good. Discipline, not so good. Saliba is versatile. Tomiyasu is versatile. White is versatile. I think we have enough. Um, who knows? I could be wrong. When the competitions come thick and fast, maybe I end up getting proven wrong. But I just think at the moment, we're fairly comfortable. Um, Harvey says, did you see, and thank you for the donation, did you see Mudrick's tattoo? It, only, it says only Jesus, or Jesus, I imagine, uh, on his neck. No, but what I did say and what I haven't mentioned is that apparently, uh, and according to my good friend Andrew, who did our tactical breakdown for Mudrick, um, he didn't like a tweet about a potential agreement with Arsenal. I didn't mention that. That's very transfer window, but he did like an Instagram post, I think it was, not a tweet, about his move potentially to Arsenal. So, I mean, <laughs> we love to buy into these things as much as we can, but who knows? We'll have to wait and see. Uh, please don't spam the chat box. I don't answer questions if you hit them over and over and over again, and it will be timing you out. Um, let's go to uh, Joshua. He says, if we do not sign a midfielder, that is borderline criminal. We know about Partey's injury issues. Borderline criminal is slightly hyperbolic. I'm not going to lie. However, it would be naive, I think, to not sign a midfielder this window. The question is always, who is that going to be? Are you going to be able to find someone good enough that gives you the quality? And then the contradiction, as pointed out in the comment section yesterday, which I responded to, was that, while saying, how are you going to find someone good enough to compete with Partey? I don't necessarily want to see backups at the club. But at the same time, you've then got to find someone that's willing to be a competitor, that's willing to sit on the bench now and again. You look at Eve Basuma at Spurs, for instance, currently sitting on the bench every single game. We've got to find someone that's as good as they can be, but also willing to realise the competition that they face and the realistic kind of reality of the fact that they will be on the bench a lot and that's tough that's really really tough um to find someone that can fulfill all of those um kind of necessities uh, it's really really hard so whilst it is a contradiction absolutely it is the reality it is it is the situation we find ourselves in we can't sign someone for the sake of it we have to find someone that's going to be quality and good enough to stay in the squad for the long term but at the same time you've got to try and find someone that can you know be content knowing that they will be on the bench now and again. Uh, Aaron says, take Kante from Chelsea. Is he not injured right now? I think he's got injury problems. I know I said before I might have, but I think the injury again this season has kind of proven that point to be 
off the pace. Um, King says, I've seen we've been linked with RC Lons is for Fafana. Have you seen or heard anything about this? Yes, I saw that link. Uh, I think it was Media Foot Marseille or something like that that did it. I don't think that's realistic. Uh, I don't think Lons would be interested in selling for uh, Fafana for anything other than a silly transfer fee at this point in the window. Um, I don't think Fafana is realistic. So I wouldn't get your hopes up about him. He's a very good player. I'd absolutely take him, but I don't think he's realistic at all at this stage. Um, Oli Polis says, will Vieira make his debut tonight? Potentially. You know, it's a midweek game. I think there's going to be more changes, more subs. Could we see Vieira get his debut? I hope so. I would love to see a bit of Vieira play, but I think he is still slightly behind the likes of Smith Rowe and Ketia in the pecking order for attacking changes right now. Let's see what happens. Um, Manoush says, Tom, can you explain how the performances of Breuer and Gallagher fell so far down after coming back to Chelsea when they were superb last season? I love it, but I can't understand this drop. I can give you the best explanation that I can give. And that is that at Palace and at Southampton, Breuer or Breuer and Gallagher stood out as stars in those teams. You know, they were the focus. They were looked toward as a target. If you were playing the ball into midfield, you found Gallagher at Palace. If you were playing the ball up top to Southampton, you were finding Bruja. And when they move into other teams and bigger teams, that isn't the case anymore. They don't get the ball as much. Um, they might get more opportunities as a striker, but I, I think we've seen that Bruja's played, what, 15 minutes before he made his sub yesterday? Um, and to be honest, looked okay. You know, he made a couple of chances he had into the box, but he's a target man, so... <laughs> It's not particularly the way that Chelsea want to play with a striker like Bourgeois. But Gallagher in particular is one of the big reasons why I worry about a move for Zaha. Because Zaha, despite how good he is, stands out in that Palace team because he's the star. If he comes to Arsenal, he won't necessarily be the star of that team. And he might not necessarily have the same opportunities and therefore the same frequency of chances to, to show what he does at Palace. He might not. You look at William Saliba, you know, comes back from Marseille after shining and has shone still in this team. And that's why there's so much effort that goes into the prep behind transfer decision making is because you not only have to find a player that's going to be good enough, but someone that you also think can translate what they're doing in one place to another place. And the external factors like coaching, system, positioning, players around you, formation, structure, all of that, if, if, one, two, three or more of those factors aren't aligned with their coming when they arrive at Arsenal, it can have a really detrimental impact on how that player transitions, on how they perform. Seeing a player do well in one place does not guarantee them doing well in another place. And I think with Nicolas Pepe, it's a really good example of seeing someone play in a counter-attacking Lille side that had a lot of space to hit on the break, that didn't have to play a possession-based football that then had to then take on three, four players at a time, work in tighter spaces in the Premier League. He suited Lille. He suited that team. In that Galtier system, it worked. And at Nice, who knows? It may work at Nice this season. But at Arsenal, it was a completely different environment. And despite the fact he got a fair amount of goals and assists, stat padded, in my opinion, because of the Europa League exploits, it just never was going to succeed in the same way, especially in a Mikel Arteta team, especially in a team that is all about pressing, all about energy, all about tracking back and intercepting and working backwards and defending. Um, quick interplay of, of football, vision, timing of runs. It, it just didn't suit Pepe. And so that's why he ultimately, in my view, failed. And that's why we need to make sure that if we invest money in a player, 
that they have to fit. Look at Gabriel Jesus. Gabriel Jesus is the archetypal striker for this Arteta team. He is the perfect number nine. And for so long, so many of us, I think, thought we needed a, a target man, someone to get on the end of crosses, a Dominic Calvert-Lewin, um, uh, a Patrick Schick, you know, as a player that I really kind of campaigned for for a while. And actually, when you look at what Jesus brings, despite him being very similar to the profiling in Ketia that we already have, in terms of kind of being smaller, better with the ball at his feet, you know, a clinical finisher, all of that stuff. Um, nowhere near in regards to ability, you know, Jesus's levels and levels above. But stylistically, you know, he fits exactly, exactly what we needed. Um, and that's why we're seeing such an impact from him at this point in the season. Hopefully that is something that goes on uh, inevitably and doesn't end. Uh, so I'm really hopeful of that. Anyway, thank you so much, guys, for tuning into the show this morning. Slightly longer show than we usually do. And I'll endeavour to do another longer one tomorrow morning, considering it is deadline day. I'll be live after the game, not here, but over on the Arsenal way. Link, as always, is in the video description. Do join us on Friday for our live show. Uh, I'm going to keep pressing this. Uh, it's only a limited time, so I might as well keep pressing it. Link to information about where, when, how you can come is in the video description as well. Make sure that you drop a like on the video before you leave. Thank you so much for tuning in. I will see you a little bit later on today. Have a fantastic Wednesday. And fingers crossed Arsenal can bring home three points and we can talk about that at more length and detail tomorrow. See you soon. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.